Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. So I want to just give you an idea of, um, of just what I want to talk to you about today. And it's found, uh, the scripture is found in Ezekiel 22:30, And it says simply this, I search for a man among them who would build up a wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. This was the, this was the prophetic word that was released through Ezekiel to the people. And I'm reading you that portion, but if you get a little bit of a backdrop before we even get to that point where he says, I couldn't get anybody to stand in the gap or, you know, help repair this wall, there's this list of things that Ezekiel condemns. He condemns the, the, the way that the leaders are leading. He condemns the, the disarray that's happening in people's lives, the societal upheaval, the, the personal choices that they're making. And if I could summarize it in this way so that we don't have to read the whole passage, uh, take time to read it yourself in Ezekiel 22. But what, what it's... What it's talking about there basically boils down to this. What Ezekiel is condemning is condemning selfishness. It's just, if you go through the list, it's like people are selfish. They're selfish with the way they're going about relationships. They are selfish with the way that they're leading in their, 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 in society. They are, they're just selfish. Overall, just all, they're just thinking about what best benefits them, what best helps them out. And as a result, you know, the, Ezekiel is condemning this as God is prompting him to speak these words to the people. And then he says these jarring words. He says this, this convicting thought of God was looking for somebody to stand on the wall and someone who would stand in the gap and he found no one. The title of my message today is A Gap Theory. A gap theory. So I don't know if you're familiar with the gap theory. So just to put that out there, the gap theory is this idea of within creation between the seven days in which God was creating that each of those, uh, each of those days had this huge gap of time that happened in between us. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, gap theory. I'm not going to get into the theological ideas of, of what comes up when you talk about the time span between one day of, of creation to another day of creation. It's not that deep of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what we read right here in Ezekiel, just my theory on why there's a gap, why there's a gap where there's no one on the wall. And um, as I'm, I'm talking about this, it, it makes me think about how uh, me, me and my wife have this tendency to pick houses like the type of people that we like to go after to get saved. We, we pick houses in the same way, and the houses that we find ourselves attracted to are fixer-uppers. So we, we, we go after these fixer-uppers, and we, you know, we don't have the skill to really fix up but we just like the idea of the history behind the house. We like the idea that we can see and have vision for something that's broken down that nobody else had vision for before. And we go into that place and we're like, man, 
We're going we're gonna to fix it up. We're going to invest in this thing. We're going to make it better. And it's the same way we are when it comes to people that we find ourselves selecting and, or God sends us. It's just fixer-uppers. And I guess I can say that because I'm not preaching to my church this morning. I'm preaching to New Covenant community. But the truth is, is that we all have fixer-uppers in our lives that um, God will send us to. And what I like about that, it kind of reminds me that I was a fixer-upper. So it's not just the people that, you know, God brings us is actually who we were. We were a fixer-upper. We were broken. We had gaps in our lives. And so lately, one of the things that happened in our, our house is in the repairing process of it all, we weren't anticipating one thing is, and that's when it started to rain, that the rain was coming into the house. And there was another moment where we found the first day that we stayed at our house, we found and we heard a raccoon. We didn't know it was a raccoon at the time. We just heard noise, discovered later on it was a raccoon. There was a raccoon in our ceiling. So I go looking around the house and what I find are gaps. There's this huge gap. I said, okay, that's a gap in my porch. That's where the raccoon is getting in. And then we found out the other area where the rain was getting in is because there were these gaps. And these gaps have been the bane of our existence. These gaps have just been such a frustration. It's gotten us to the point that we sometimes have second guessed, like, why do we move into this fixer-upper? Was it God or was it, it, was, it, was it just us, you know, not knowing that we were getting in over our heads? But there's something about just gaps I think overall in life that bring levels of frustration and can be a conflict in our soul because the gaps are places where there's access. Gaps are places where things are broken. Gaps are places where things can go in and out without being checked. Gaps create these things where there's no boundary between one thing and another. And what I want to say to you is that I believe for each of us here as we're contemplating where gaps might be in the world around us and we might even make it a little more personal to our lives, I find that the gaps are between our comfort and are between the culture. There's these gaps between our comfort and the culture that exist and and just like they talk about this wall to stand on you can imagine it was a wall with gaps and when we think about whether we want to get involved with something or do something many of us are more attracted or move towards stability and comfort than we do just the gaps where there's a bunch of uncertainty brokenness and can be so frustrating things and we might be out of our comfort zone but the gaps exist between what I call our comfort and the culture we tend to try to go towards what's stable we, we just and we don't blame anybody because it's good to have stability in our lives but we just move towards stability we the, the, the parts of the wall that are most stable are the parts of the wall we move towards. We, we, we try to maintain walls of stability in our lives and 
in maintaining the walls of stability in our lives that we just go after, oftentimes we can ignore the access points that the enemy has. And those are the gaps. The enemy has access to the gaps. So when Ezekiel is out there saying, listen, society is like this, our families are like this, our relationships, they're all jacked up, they all, there's issues in them. He, he also indicates that the reason why they're in that place is because there's a gap. There's a gap in the wall. There's a breach. And there was no man he could find. And you could just imagine, right? God is, is looking in the horizon and saying, who's going to repair? Who's going to get out of their comfort? And who's going to move towards the breakage that's happening in the culture? Who's going to stand in that middle place, not pick a side, but stand in the gap and be a repairer of the breach? If we can get honest, there's gaps all around us, but there's gaps some of these gaps are a lot more personal. These gaps can be gaps in relationships that are real personal to us. Some of you might have gaps between the relationship that you see with your spouse and the children, your children. There's gaps. There's instability. There are things that are not fully together and whole. There's, 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 I think about gaps between just relationships. There could be gaps between our friends. Like, man, this person's my friend, and this person's my friend. But there's a gap. There's something that's been a wedge that's been produced between them. And you almost can feel conflicted that, that whose side, whose story do I most like resonate with or I'm sympathetic to and I move towards. And we can find ourselves picking sides in these times where there's these gaps in relationships. There's sometimes, there's just two people we care about in general, and there's gaps. You know, I found myself at one point having a pastor friend of mine come speak um, for our church, and in the conversation, uh, I found out that they actually had a riff between another pastor friend of mine. And these guys were both my friends. And they're discussing this, this, this misunderstanding, this difficulty, this challenge that actually had them not really speaking to each other for a good two to three years. And while I was, we were discussing this in, our, in the car, it's like I found myself like, you know, this is not a time for me to pick a side. This is a time for me to see what I can do to stand in the gap. Not to say, no, well, this guy is not like that and not... It, 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 was, it was more of a, how can I appeal to the heart of my one pastor friend to doing some work on that relationship and reaching out and not producing this narrative that unglues that relationship? What can I do? And, and, and I just did my part. She said, man, you need to call him. I'm going to follow up with you. You just need to call him. And, and that's exactly what they did. It's kind of a couple of weeks ago, hey, did you give him a call? Yeah, yeah, not yet, but I'm going to do it today. And he gives him a call. And then later on, I mean, you just find out like, man, we, we squashed it. We worked through it. We talked about what that, and it was like, man, I just felt so honored that I was able to stand in the gap 
and bring some people together that a wedge got in. And it's not just a wedge in that relationship. It's, it's those places are, are, are places where the enemy can now have access to other relationships. Oftentimes we think it's just between me and them, but if, if we can't resolve that between me and them, then it becomes that much more difficult and challenging when other breaches show up in other places. God has called us to be in the gap. Not on one side. Oh, no, no. If you realize and if you're even thinking right now, just think of the time that we're living in this world. It just seems like people are this side or that side. You know, the most difficult side to stand on is not this side or that side. It's in the middle. It's in the gap. And so this gap is just located between our comfort zone and our culture. I can't help but think of a person that did such a fine job within the scripture of standing in the gap. And I don't know if you're already thinking about it in your head. It was a guy named Nehemiah. Nehemiah, and, and, and I, I hope, I'm sure in this Bible preaching church, you've heard Nehemiah several times. Nehemiah is the classic gap filler. Because here's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah, as the cupbearer to the king, he was in this prominent position, probably super comfortable, right? He's in this position, and he hears what's going on in the culture of his people. And when he hears about what's going on in the culture of his people, as his friends come to bring the report, this is how the book of Nehemiah starts, Nehemiah is grieved. Nehemiah goes into intercession. Isn't that what intercession is? Intercession is going into that place where there's gaps and there's breaches and appealing to heaven. It's exactly what Nehemiah did. He owned his part. He owned his people's part. He said, God, we need, this, we need some healing in this situation. Nehemiah was willing to even leave his comfort to move into the gap of a situation that was producing a cultural crisis. And there he goes. He goes to the king. The king um, asks about what, what's going on in his soul. He looks despondent. And Nehemiah appeals to royalty about what's going on. And as a result, the royalty responds by funding and resourcing him to go and do and solve the problem. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He wasn't a wall builder. He was a man that knew how to like do that. I mean, I'm sure... He was kind of in over his head. There's nothing in his resume that would say he was qualified for what he was about to step into. But that's what happens when you're in the gap. The gap is you don't feel qualified. The gap feels like you, you don't really know what you're doing, but you go there because there's this passion to bring heaven's solution into the cultural crisis and not just sit back in the stability of life and, and just look to keep yourself comfortable. But he steps into that. Nehemiah was a gap filler. He left his royal comfort and he saw the cultural crisis. He stood right in between and started doing what he needed to do and doing his part and soliciting other people to fill in the gap and to repair the gaps on the wall. And the reason why the gaps were so, and the, the breakage of the wall and the breakage of the gates in Nehemiah's day was so detrimental to the people is because these gaps allow the enemy to have access. Gaps are not something that we ignore. Gaps are something that we fill. And Nehemiah laid down his life to fill in 
these gaps. Here's my theory with this gap theory of what it looks like for us to be a gap filler. My theory is that a gap filler really has the ministry of reconciliation. It's the ministry of reconciliation. You know, you, you think about all the ministries we want to be a part of, right? We want to, the ministries that we uh, admire, and we should, and we should honor them. Ministries of people who have the ministry of music and people who have the ministry of pastor and all those things that are admirable and, and we honor those things. But how much attention does the ministry of reconciliation get? And the ministry of reconciliation, according to 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says this, Now all these things are from God, who reconcile us to himself through Christ, and give us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you see that God has actually reconciled us to him? In other words, there was a gap between us and God, and Jesus comes in as the ultimate gap filler and reconciles us. There was a breakage. There was a breach. He got out of his comfort and there was a heavenly cultural crisis and he fills in the gap. And he says, if this has happened to you, guess what? By your virtue of experiencing it, now you bring that same ministry to others. And it's actually a testimony of like, that you belong to Christ, that you understand what you've been reconciled to because you're going to do that in other places. It's like, wow, man, he, he, he filled in the gap. He stepped into the void. He stepped out of his comfort. As, and, and so when that happens to us and in our appreciation of it, it's like, man, thank God for the ministry of music and pastoral ministry, but the first ministry and the ministry we all have together is the ministry of reconciliation. And it's uncomfortable. <laughs> I think, you know, sometimes we can think about like, yeah, it's cool. We got the ministry of reconciliation. We're bringing people together. Listen, I'm not going to pull the wool over your eyes. It's uncomfortable because there's two sides to things. There's, there's, it's messy. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's frustrating. Just like the gaps filling in our house to prevent the rain from coming in or the raccoons are coming in. It was a messy process in order to get that thing filled in. But we all have the ministry of reconciliation. We've been connect we as a people, and this is what I want to uh, encourage you, New Covenant community, is, is, is society hinges on this ministry. It, it, we are the things that we bring people together. We are the ones that should be the glue to a broken world, to broken relationships. We've been commissioned to do this. We should be neutral conveners, kingdom ambassadors. That's what it means to be a representative, that we, we don't take sides. And I know that can be difficult. We don't take sides. We stand in the gap. We stand in the gap. We stand in that middle place. We can hear from both places. We can be sympathetic to both places. But ultimately, we need to be the one bringing people and relationships to the best of our ability through the anointing of Jesus Christ, bringing people together. You know, when I recommitted my life to Jesus, there were still things within my, the parental relationships that were still needing to be worked on. I was married, and uh, at this point, I think we had about, I always lose count of how many, you know, we have five kids, so I lose count of when this particular moment but I think it was uh, 
three or four kids in that we were taking a family vacation and my kids were there, my father was there, my parents were there. And I can recall a time where there was some things that the Lord was dealing with me in terms of my relationship with my father. And what was difficult in that relationship, part of it was that he wouldn't like always initiate with me. And I thought he should initiate with me. I shouldn't, he's the father, I'm the son. But I find myself as a father and I find myself that God was just working on me saying there's some things that I need to heal up in you. There's things I need to work on with you. And he's in that healing process. One of the things that the Holy Spirit was asking me is to connect with my dad and me take the initiative. So I did exactly that. I just sat down in the front of the, 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 the van that we were driving back from the vacation that we were at and asking him questions like I was a rookie to his life and just asking questions and finding ways to connect. He would answer the question, then he would, you know, finish answering and it would go quiet for a little bit. Then I would jump into another question and it just, it was a lot. I, I, there was kind of this war in me of like, what am I doing here and what's happening? But in that initiative and in stepping into that gap, into that uncomfortable place, I found God began to heal things in my heart towards my father, my perspective towards him. I'm a second generation pastor. And so there was a sense where I felt he was more of a pastor than he was a father. And so I, um, I, I began to find myself looking to heal those things by just having conversations and moving towards him. And that's exactly what it began to do, began to repair that relationship. I, I began to look at ways of intentionally honor him because man, most of my teenage years was dishonoring him. I even have a hip hop song that I wrote to like, like sort of like explain my situation as a pastor's son. And uh, God seriously changed my tune when I was willing to stand in the gap. You know, I, it was uncomfortable. It was difficult. Here's my other theory. My, another theory with the gap theory is God acts us, actually anoints us to stand in places where we have given him access to those gaps in our lives. So here I was having a gap with my relationship with my father and God prompted me to move towards him to do my part to reconcile that. And you know what I find myself doing? Now I find myself anointed to actually help other father-son relationships. Actually other pastor relationships, pastoral relationships. I find myself actually anointed for those particular areas because I was willing to stand in the gap or allowing God to fill in the gap and instruct me on how to bring reconciliation to something that was broken in my life. And you know, you know what I believe? A lot of places where we're called to be ministers of reconciliation, it's just my theory, is things that we've actually allowed God to have access in that's been gaps in our lives. So we got to think about that. What is that? You know, that might, be, that might be a gap in a relationship with one of your children. It might be a gap in your relationship with your spouse. It might be a gap in your relationship with a good friend that you've had a relationship with a lot of years, an old schoolmate, a boss, an employee, that we've had these gaps. But when we do our part to bring reconciliation and say, God, what do you want me to do about this? How should I approach this? Instead of like, what's comfortable for me? Instead of like, it's more stable and comfortable for me for just to avoid them. Just to all, all around, just distance myself from them. 
But we're not called to just comfort. We're called to be in places of crisis. That means we have to move out of our comfort into that zone that's uncomfortable. And it's actually a zone that, get this, y'all, it's a zone that we're going to have to die to some things in ourselves. You know, when Ezekiel was prophesying against, like, uh, uh, talking about Jerusalem and Israel's sin, basically the issue he was dealing with is that they were all self-focused and they were selfish. And so now God is looking for somebody to stand in the gap and didn't bring repairs. Like, everybody's selfish. Everybody's self-seeking. They're only thinking about what best benefits them. So what do we do if we, it, it, the opposite of self, selfishness is selflessness. And that's going to take a dying to the things that we would prefer to have, the way we would want it to look. It's a death. That should not be a new concept to Christians. But it seems like we have to reintroduce it to the world, is that Christians, we have died to self. I'm no longer my old creation, my old man, that old victim of a son. I'm a new creation. I'm a victor. I'm able to now be an intentional lover of those who have in some ways I felt like maybe done some things that hurt me. I let God fill in the gaps of those broken places so I can stand in the gaps to help people where places have been broken and relationships have been broken. God anoints us to stand in those places. Nehemiah, going back to him, you know what he does with the people? He says, hey, the, the, the whole idea of, or, or the strategy behind the building is he says, families, he breaks them up by families, and he says, by your family, focus on the breaks in front of you. The breaks in the wall in front of you. In other words, I don't want you to go all the way on this other side of town to fix the gaps. This family, here's the breakage, fix the breaks, fix the gaps. Fill in those places, seal those places that are in your, around your family. Isn't that something? I, you know, we, we can get overwhelmed when we think of all the things that are broken in our society and in our world. I think Nehemiah's strategy might be the strategy for the church and for many of us. It's just fix the breakage that's happening in front of us. It's just fill in those gaps. Let's start with mom. Let's start with dad. Let's start with our friends. Let's start with our siblings. Let's just start there and let God do something in that reconciliation that anoints you to do something in a greater way. And that's what I found for my life. It's just a theory, but I believe that's where you're anointed. And, and, and then here's another theory to the gap theory is my theory is why God can't find someone to stand in the gap is he can't find anybody who's going to take up their cross and follow him. In Matthew 16, 24, it says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. It can't be about him. It can't be about her. <laughs> he must de deny himself. Take up his cross. The cross can give you splinters, y'all. The cross is rugged, y'all. I don't think, you know, we wear these little crosses around our neck, and they're all polished, and they got a little bling to them. No, that's not what he means when he takes up your cross. He doesn't mean your little cross necklace. He means this old, rugged, splintery thing that's going to aggravate your flesh. It might pierce you in a couple of ways. It might cause you to be fatigued and tiring. He, has, he says, take up your cross and follow me. They must deny themselves. That's what I believe he couldn't find anybody that day in the day of Ezekiel. 
There's nobody who was unselfish like Nehemiah was. There was nobody who was unselfish like John the Baptist was. There was nobody there in that time. Everybody was seeking their own. They were in survivor mode. They felt like they were justified and entitled to certain things. And he's like, I just need somebody who will take up the cross. Just like I took up my cross for their sake. I need them to take up my cross, take up their cross for somebody else's sake. I get it. We want to live in the safety of comfort and avoid the dangers in the culture. And because of that, I believe a lot of people procrastinate on working through their own stuff. Or here's this. Sometimes I, 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 I think the enemy or just whatever has blinded them to realizing that the gap, when you choose to fill in the gap or invite God into those gaps into your lives, you actually step into this supernatural zone where heaven's power is released. It, it, like we sit in our comfort zone, but that's not a lot of heaven's power released. It's something about coming into that uncomfortable zone, filling in the gap, where actually heaven says, I'm attracted to that. I'm going to give my glory and power. I'm going to release something over that individual because they took up their cross, they denied themselves. I'm going to give them the super to the glue <laughs> that they're looking to bring as they're looking to reconcile and bring things together. And it's like the enemy blinds them, blinds them to not realizing heaven's supernatural power releases even though they're in the crosshairs of the enemy. Even though you're in the crosshairs of the enemy, still heaven's power is released when you stand in the gap. Jesus not just stood in the gap. Jesus lived in the gap. As I come to a close here, it's, it's, just, it's just something I just want to bless you with just you thinking and considering. Jesus lived in the gap. It's where he lived. He, he lived in the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He, he lived in the gap between adulterers and the religious hypocrites. He would stand right there in that uncomfortable place, put on the spot, and he would not choose one side over the other. He would deal with each side according to how they needed to be spoken to and dealt with, but he stood in each spot looking to reconcile both of them together. Don't get me wrong, sometimes there's people that still don't like you, even though you're willing to stand in the gap and reconcile and put yourself out there. They still might not like you. And, and that's what happened with Nehemiah. There's people who still didn't like him, even though he was looking to do a good thing for the people of God. There's people didn't like him. There's still enemies that won't like. But that idea is like, I'm still not choosing a side. I'm standing in the gap. I'm standing where heaven's power, where the anointing, allows me to bring reconciliation to places and people and relationships that are broken. Jesus stands in the gap, or he lives in the gap between two thieves. I mean, look at the placement of the cross. It's like he's a thief here, and then where does he, where is he planting himself? He is planted right in the gap in the middle 
One thief doesn't like him. Another thief re receives eternal life, but he, he still chooses to hang there, to live there. He stands in the gap. He stands in the gap between Jew and Gentile. The people crucifying him were both, right? It was Jew and Gentile. He's still there, and he dies for both of them. I think we just got to return back to the admiration of what Jesus has done for us. The admiration of what the cross means. And the, and, and, and the way that we see the times that we're living in. What are we going to do about it? Do we stay with comfort when there's a cultural crisis? Or do we stand in those places where there's breaches? Say, God, how will you have me intercede? God, how will you have me fill in these places with your word? God, how will you have me help this one pastor with this other pastor, this one brother with this other brother, or one sister? How, what, what is my part? I don't need to pick sides. I don't want the enemy to continue to divide the things that God has brought together. What is my part? What needs to be healed in me personally? So I have the anointing and the confidence to do that for a situation that may be just larger than me, bigger than me, harder when I think about it. I was emboldened to be a reconciler because of the things that happened with my father, the things that happened with my friends and my brother, the things that happened with my bosses. Trust me, there's, there's many places where I needed to be reconciled. I had to die to myself, humble myself, not let pride or even self-righteousness cause me to distance myself, but just say, this is not about me. This is about a world being healed. This is about a people knowing who Jesus, what he's like. And he looks like reconciliation. He looks like working through differences. He looks like doing everything in his power to demonstrate love and compassion when everything else is selfishness and spite. My last theory, if I said, I don't know if I said it was my last theory already. You know how pastors do, we have five closings. I'm really closing now. As soon as I hear that piano, I'm like, yeah, I'm landing. But, uh, but my last theory is this. My last theory is that whatever gaps we seal will really be the places he fills with his glory. Whatever gaps we seal, whatever reconciliation we bring forth, I believe there's going to be a filling of his glory. This, this, one, this, is, this one last story is, there's a gentleman that every time I go to our mother church in Lancaster, older gentleman, probably uh, twice my age, he will come up to me and he will report of how well him and his father are doing. He's like, my father is awesome. Our relationship is so great. And, and he'll continue, he'll talk about it, he'll brag about it. And, and he will not also fail to say the reason why him and his father's relationship is so well. And his father was like a hardcore biker dude. His father was like prejudiced against people. He said he had a hard time. His father was abusive. His fa he had all this issue. Father wasn't even saved. So it's not like, he just, just had a strange relationship. And he was probably around 50 years old, strained relationship with his dad. At the end. And he says, it's because... When I heard you that day at the mentor tree talk about and share about the reconciliation that you had with your father that I knew inside of me, I needed to make things right. 
I needed to get things right. I needed to do my part to humble myself and reach out to my dad and express I love him, I care about him, and he did his part. And he tells me about the first time. The first time, it went well. He was bragging, but every time, year after year, and this is probably like five years now, he'll tell me it's just getting better. And now he says, my father has accepted and received the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, but it started with a man who was willing to stand in the gap and get out of his comfort zone. And I just thank God that I had somewhat of an anointing in my life to bring that to him because of the gaps I allowed God to fill in my own life. The places where he reconciled to me that I'm a son, that I'm loved, and I'm capable of loving even difficult and challenging people, that I'm able to do that. And I move towards that. And, I, and the glory is there. Every time he testifies, the glory is there. That's my, that's my prayer for you. My prayer for you, for the New Covenant community, is that you will be gap fillers. Because my theory is when you allow God to fill in the gaps of areas that need to be reconciled in your own personal life, those breaches, that you're going to look at everything else in the world as repairable, as reconcilable, as broken but not beyond repair. Same way he did it for you. He's anointed you to do it for others. God can do it but he chooses you to do it through. What an honor. We're willing to die to some things and be unselfish. You'd be surprised the glory that can come. So Father God, I thank you for today and for this community of people that are watching online. Pray that your anointing goes where they are. Pray those seed fell on soil that is receptive and ready to do something with your word. There is a change you want to bring to the city and, a, and there's a thing you want to do in our families. We just need gap fillers. We need people to stand right in those breaches in an uncomfortable place. Willing to surrender, sacrifice, lay down their life for the sake of another. When we look at you, we, we just admire that about you. That's, that's who you are. Even now, where you sit is in the gap. <laughs> you hung between heaven and earth, and now you sit in a place of intercession for your people. That's a gap. You're there making intercession. Wow. We need your glory to fill this land and this city. Fill in our families and heal and restore. I pray, God, we will consider doing something now with those relationships that are closest to us, around us, the walls that are broken right in front of us, and just let you help us and lead us into humbling ourselves and reconciling, forgiving, loving, being intentional about those things. Men anoint us to fill in the gaps of this world around us because there's many places where the enemy has access and we will not sit by when you did everything you did in our lives. 
We are anointed to do this, God. So anoint them, refresh them, let them move out of that comfortable place into a place where you will use them mightily to reconcile and repair all those things that are in our world and around us. Thank you for the pastors and the leaders here. We pray that they continue to lead with grace and integrity. Pray that there will be growth and prosperity in everything they touch and do. Thank you for the opportunity to be with them today. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus, the Gap Filler. Amen. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.